3: Hello and welcome to the Mary Rose for another instalment of Down the Pub. Uh it was quite grim last week, wasn't it? It was good, it was interesting, but little did we realise that discussing the worst year in history would be quite depressing. Um and it turns out that Sabrina didn't realise that when she nominated it either. So we've decided to go all jolly this week. Um so we're gonna do the best year ever. And because I'm a bit cynical and I'm judging, we've got the categorically most happy, bouncy, and disgustingly chipper member of our pub regulars to judge with me—it's Beth. <laughs> <laughs> All the happiness and the bright and bubbliness. Oh, she's been telling people that there will be bonus points for singing and Disney references <laughs> and, and sweeties. And if yeah, you quite recovered from your weekend hangover yet, though? Just about. No comment.
4: Yeah. Painkillers instead tonight, so a different kind of buzz.
3: <laughs> so, uh, just skittles for a high tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. We will say no more about the kitchen at arms. but uh, I think it would one of those you would have been out the fire escape if it had been a real pub. No, well wedding... I think, I think,
4: yeah. Bearing in mind some of the, so, My husband's occupation means that he sees a lot of drunk people out in Birmingham on a Friday and Saturday night when we're allowed to. And I said, on a scale of one to ten, from one being sober to ten being Broad Street, head over the edge of the pavement kind of situation, where did I come? And he said about a nine.
3: (laughs) Yeah, when you telephoned him from the sofa at 1am when he was asleep to come down and get you, and he walked in the room, um, and you went... I need to get over there and point <laughs> at the door uh his face was quite grim. I won't lie um that's why we booted you out the chat, so that nobody else would see him. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we also have with us the man who's pretty much responsible because he took her into a Zoom call full of rugby players and challenged her to a drinking contest. Lucky.
1: <laughs> well, you say challenged her. Um, she has agency in all of this uh, and did not run away at all. The the the, the kind of basis for it was uh, England's piss-poor performance uh, at the weekend. I'm on dual nationality, so I'm not too bothered about Wales winning, but I agree, England was shite. Uh, and so um a game of what we call the number after 20 um, got started. Uh, we had to introduce um Beth to it, and she got introduced to it in full-on fashion, having to see off quite a lot, actually. Um, I did not realise so-
3: there might be an issue when she started necking cans of Thatcher's? knowing that she, her limit is three.
1: Did I think there might be an issue? Yes. Did <laughs> I think that I would have to deal with it? No. <laughs>
3: uh, okay, well, I'm sure John, John will have a response to that. Let's start with fuck and ends with you. <laughs> How's your week been otherwise?
1: Yeah, good. Um, it's... I've uh, been quite rugby focused for a different reason, actually, doing some kind of homework on uh First World War uh rugby player casualties. Um but in yeah, so uh,
3: arriving there will be packages on your doorstep at the weekend, I would have
5: thought. Well, exciting.
1: Um Yeah, uh, and apart from that I'm quite enjoying this actually and kind of looking at my favourite year because um yeah, having judged the miserable year one, actually having a happy year uh show is is gonna be is gonna be good.
3: It'd be interesting from a research point of view as well, because it's broader. Like you would have to sort of go off and read about a few different things rather than just, I don't know, watching Band of Brothers and then pulling an argument out of it. <laughs> oh, he's not here. We won't pick on him. James isn't here, but no, there's a bit of broader reading to it, isn't there?
1: Yeah, exactly. Different things. It's it's good.
3: James is poorly, so he's not with us. But Charlie is not poorly. She's looking absolutely fabulous tonight. Hello, Charlie. Hello. How are we doing? All right. How's Bedford? It's all right. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm just... Same as it's off. been for the last
6: 11 months uninterrupted. Same as it's been. I'm now fighting a train line. You know, I'm getting involved in local politics and just causing trouble, you know, smashing up the system,
3: that kind of thing. Brilliant. I can hear Chris mumbling in the background. Hello, Chris. Hello. Joining <laughs> in tonight or are you just bar flying?
7: Uh, I'm going to watch Combat Dealers.
3: Outstanding. Pro <laughs> straight. Uh we have with us Kit minus Amelia because you woke up in the middle of the night the other day and she scared the shit out of you, so she's gone in a cupboard, is that right?
5: Um, that that is true. I woke up about two o'clock in the morning and there was a ghostly face lit by the moon staring right at me. With those Share, eyebrows. Scared with the brain- living the brain-
3: the brain- of love, Kit. The eyebrows need work.
5: the, the, the eyebrows do need work. I've yeah. i put her in a um uh cupboard. And so, if the, the the cleaners that are supposed to come and restock the, uh, the towels uh, arrive, they're going to have a surprise. Um, but I don't have to look at the damn thing.
3: Are you going to flog it?
5: Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, if anyone's looking for a, a severed head of Amelia Clark, uh, you know, let me know.
3: Let us know, um, but don't tell us what you want to do with it because we don't want to know.
5: No, just just
1: give me the money.
3: <laughs> Charlotte said, "To be fair, Kit, that's what it's like being married to me." Ghostly face in the middle of the night, yeah. <laughs> Every time. But you have fantastic eyebrows. <laughs> They're drawn on.
5: <laughs> <So
7: rebellious. laughs> oh, Remelius.
3: Ah, someone who is still wearing all of his clothes at present, but we never know what's going to happen. He'll be in the mankini probably in a couple of hours' time. It's Chris. Ah, uh, you're right. Yeah, you got the. You, so at the moment, you're still in a shirt because you've been to work, but have you got your party outfit nearby?
8: Um I, I can actually see it glowing in the corner of the uh of the living room, yeah. But I I'm, I'm I'm dry as well, so it, it shouldn't well I was dry the other no I wasn't, I had wine last time. Yeah, I'm dry, so it'll be fine. Wine doesn't count.
3: <laughs> we've decided that wine doesn't count.
8: Oh, okay. Um, no, I've only got um Audi Coke, so um I should be fine.
3: Sad times. Well, it's like paint dinner. it May destroy your insides, but it won't be amusing.
8: That that's still in the fridge, I won't touch it again. <laughs>
3: Clive has got his porno lighting on in the background. Hello Clive.
7: Hello Alex, how are you? you having a wonderful week last week. Are you still having a wonderful week? Well it started out well. I had my jab on Sunday, which was very exciting. And then I started another course of jabs also on Sunday to make me into a skinny bastard. Instead That's of right, better.
3: you've got the rewarding skinny bastard jabs, haven't you? Where you're so a- happy. A that-
7: zempic, yup. Yeah. Which is very exciting. and haven't really noticed that much weight loss already, but it's only been two days. so.
3: That's OK. Well, it gives it gives Chris time to post the mankini down to you.
7: It's true. <laughs> I'll wash it. And then everything was all oh my good of good things just got shattered today when I found out I'd been, I'd been barred from Pontins.
3: I know you are but an O'Connell, therefore no. you are a on Non Grata at Pontins. Who still goes to Pontin's anyway? I I don't know.
7: I've gone through my whole life thinking I was too posh to go to Pontin's. But now I realise that actually it's the opposite's true.
3: Yeah, slightly. I thought it was just a list of specific families that had fucked them off. I didn't realise they decided that every O'Connell was disgusting and they didn't want them in there.
7: Well, no, it's because they were trying to be diabolically racist towards Irish travellers. But Uh they weren't allowed to say, we don't want any Irish travellers. So they just threw in a selection of 40 surnames, which actually covers quite a few tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people in the UK. Also,
3: I noticed that some of them were spelt very badly.
7: There was that as well, but
3: maybe because because they're English. But it was put together by not just a racist moron, but an illiterate racist
7: moron. (laughs) Hmm. So anyway, we're not going to Pontons when the pandemic's over.
3: Fuck them. None of us will go. We'll all boycott pon- Pontins, Ponkins, Pontins. Mm. Let's fuck go to
6: Butlins.
3: Butlins instead. Let's have fuck Pontins T-shirts made in honour of Clive. <laughs> uh,
2: Merin, Merrin is us yes. as well. Hello. 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 Not I've, had, I've had not a bad week. I'm sort of recovering from my tsunami of email spoofing, and today people in the village have been sending me old photographs of the house I live in. Because it used to be the Red Lion pub. Who knew? Well, I, I did because I've driven past it for the last 50 years. The fact that every
3: time we log on, you're licking the walls is a giveaway. <laughs>
2: <isn't it? laughs> no, but but, but the, the really, really lovely thing was somebody sent me a picture. of I must have been back, 1850s or whatever it was. And on the end wall, on the Gable End wall of the pub, there was a pub sign there that said, the biggest selection of malt whiskies in England. I'm not sure that was true, but... I'd like to think it was,
3: although it possibly has one of the biggest selections of gin now. Possibly, possibly, could possibly comment. No prosecco left, though. We need to go on another prosecco mission.
2: Oh no! I've got—I've always got prosecco and champagne in the fridge. Always, you know how oh, to yeah. it.
3: Right, okay, Beth just gagging at the thought of any of those things. Uh, let's go, where should we start? This is a nice little cosy outing tonight. Uh, Heather will be dropping in later. She's on her way back from the lab, um, hopefully without bringing any of her work home with her, because that would be quite rank and disgusting, and probably mean, like, everyone's going to get Ebola. So, hmm, I'm looking around. F- oh, I feel so powerful. Chris, hit us up with the best year in history, before it all goes tits up and you find some Korean spirit in your fridge <laughs> and you up in a mankini?
8: Um, well, I, I'm, I'm kind of worried now because Lockie said about going broad, uh, and I really haven't. Uh, many people would expect me to pick 1871, the formation of the greatest nation of the world, and uh, German soldiers marching down the champs but instead, I have gone for 1977.
3: Okay. So,
8: which is not 1871, but... Um, why have I picked 1977? Is it because there's a phenom- phenomenal Ash album of the same name? No. But um, quite a few interesting things happen. We have the, the Space Shuttle Enterprise uh, carrying out tests um, uh, on the back of a 747, which, and it looked like it was working out. USSR launches a new Soyuz satellite. Uh, the centenary test cricket between the UK and Australia. The 25-year jubilee of Elizabeth II. Holmes wins a medal in the three-legged race. Uh, Nintendo cl- color TV game console is released. The Supremes played their last um, final concert before splitting. You have the Wimblede- Wim- Wimbledon centenary. Hulk Hogan debuts in wrestling. And sadly, Elvis Presley dies. But why is 1977 the best for me? And Kit's just got it in the uh, chat, but I'll get to that in a minute. Um, when it comes to nerdy things... There are two things, two hills on which I will die. The first one is um, the nearest Stormborn of the House Targaryen, etc., 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 is the proper ruler of Westeros, and no one else has a rightful claim. And on the other one, the 25th of May, 1977, the greatest movie of all time comes out in the form of Star Wars: A New Hope. I feel really nerdy now. And
3: um, <laughs> you know what? If Holmes had been here, you'd have I been up the winner already. But here, so you're
8: going to justify this don't, don't worry i, I have things like <laughs> um <laughs> but right uh, <clears throat> so um it's had a massive positive impact on the world today um be it through its effect on how movies are made or movie merchandising and other things um, the movie itself is nothing original. Uh, the plot ideas are lifted from old B-movies, Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress, which he basically ripped off, it, Lucas ripped off in large places, apparently. Flash Gordon, the Dam Busters, especially if you look at the dialogue in the Battle of Yavin, um, and many other genre styles. Um, the plot itself is quite straightforward. There's a damsel in distress taken by an evil knight who must be rescued by the young hero and a scoundrel with a good heart and a basic good versus evil thing uh to which George Lucas wrote the movie um he George Lucas wrote the movie at home after work uh wrote four different screenplays of it until he could get the right um right feel uh constantly changing character designs names and species and it was originally turned away by the studios who saw it as a big budget sci-fi and as a waste of time and it was only Fox who took a punt and made, um to make the movie and it ended up being massively over budget about 3 million dollars uh 5 months late and, um, a stressed Lucas was pushed, um, uh, pushed on and managed to get it completed. Uh, he pushed industrial light and magic, his, um, company that he set up to do all the effects, uh, to get the shots right. And they'd spent half of their budget on four shots, which he deemed as unacceptable, which left him with the years, left them with a year amount, years worth of work to do in six months, but they managed to pull through and did it. They pioneered models in dog fights, the computer display of the Death Star, which is all New new movie making techniques, um, and the Death Star trench flyover, which is I say cool really loosely. They made this massive track out of um, Airfix battleship kits with all the turrets and things, and there was a, a a truck with a camera on a boom, and they were just driving up and down the course so that the camera could. It looked like it was flying over the Death Star. Um, the creation of this movie um, pushed Lucas to the point that he was uh, diagnosed with hypertension and stress. Um, and to, to make things worse, when it came to reshooting, Mark Hamill had a horrific car accident, which left him quite scarred facially, so they couldn't even reshoot the scenes with Mark Hamill in properly, which is why in Empire Strikes Back he gets hit round the face in the first two minutes by a monster. Um, the effects uh, are fairly state-of-the-art, as they were for back then, despite my um, sister, uh, my ex-wife and my sister saying, it looks really dated. Um, <clears throat> is that uh, um, no.
3: <laughs>
8: <laughs> Should have been a consideration, I suppose, in whether I'm married or not. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, <laughs> uh, where was I? Uh, three da, 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 da.
3: There's three beautiful children.
8: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Who uh, Two of which love Star Wars. So, you know, win, win, win. Um, it has a relatively unknown cast, uh, although I'm propped up with the greats that are Alec Guinness and Peter Cushing. Uh, they all worked well together and the public went wild for it. Uh, viewing figures were through the roof and it made 2.5 million in its first six days in the US and it made 530 million in its first release in total worldwide. Um, so why was it so successful? Well, film critic Roger Ebert wrote, um, what makes Star Wars um, experience, um, Unique though, is that it happens on such an innocent and often funny level. It's usually, it's usually violence that draws me so deeply to, into a movie. Violence ranging from the psychological torment of a Bergman character or the mindless crunch of a shark's jaws. Maybe the movies, um that scare us, um find the uh, most direct route into our imaginations. But there are hardly any, vi- there's hardly any violence in Star Wars. And even then, it's presented in essentially bloodless swashbuckling. Instead, there's entertainment so direct and simple that all of the um, complications of the modern movie seem to vaporize. And in fact, George Lucas said, um, it's the flotsam and jetsam from the period when I was 12 years old, all the books and films and comics that I'd liked when I was a child. The plot is simple, good against evil, and the film is designed to be all fun things and fantasy things that I remember. The word for this movie is fun. Lucas also said that um, he wanted to make movies that he had wanted to watch for- when he was a child. Um, you also uh, have one of the first mainstream strong female role models in the form of princess Leia. She's the only one who doesn't cower before Vader and Tarkin takes control of the boss, bodge rescue by the men and is firmly in charge. Dis- despite Carrie Fisher, not being allowed to wear a bra through the whole of the whole film. She is the original Disney princess before Disney knew that they wanted star Wars. You also had have the rugged good looks of Harrison Ford, whose career was um, really launched by Star Wars, even though he appeared in uh, American Graffiti, and um, the naivety of Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker playing opposite the real screen presence of Darth Vader. Who can um, who can forget the opening scene with the star destroyer Devastator? Yes, I do know its name, uh, rumbling overhead and going on and on and on, much like my talk. Um, I may not have been able to see the movie in the cinema in 1977, uh, but I did get to watch the 1996 extended edition release. Because <laughs> I yeah. am, was that cool when I was fifteen, uh, and um, I've seen it countless times before. But it, watching the Star Destroyer go over took, took my breath away. And even the most cynical of the fandom that were in Maidstone Cinema that night, uh, it spoke to the film. Spoke to a generation, gave them something they could not um, could not uh, have seen before. And It was something that filmmakers have tried to emulate so many times, but since but no other franchise has managed to capture quite the same magic except for maybe Indiana Jones but then that was written by George Lucas and directed by Steven Spielberg and it's basically star wars versus nazis um Lucas would also go on to say that he made the movies. That, uh, and I've said that bit. <laughs> uh, the magic of Star Wars saw the creation of not only Lucasfilm, but Industrial Light and Magic, Skywalker Sound, and Pixar, all of which, which are massive in the movie-making industry today and attract the brightest and be- uh, most enthusiastic to work in pioneering new movie-making techniques and sound effects. If Lucas hadn't star- started Pixar, would we be finding um, having Disney movies such as Finding Nemo, Toy Story, Monsters Inc., Cars, and several others? Star Wars does have I'm wrapping up Star Wars has its own um, fanatical fan base one that has stuck with a sci-fi with a sci-fi film that's about 45 years old um, which is relatively unheard of beyond the Star Trek fans a young girl once watched the movie watched the movie in 1977 27 times so that she could recreate an X-wing pilot's uniform for Halloween kids argued who um, who they were going to be on the school playground um, all the way through the 80s that might have just been my friends um, the film and its sequels were played regularly at Christmas, and as a whole, it's had inspired a generation of people, and not just nerds like myself, but it has brought um, happiness to millions of people's lives, um, be it through the movies, the books, the subsequent D- Disney TV shows, the language, and the now modern, which is now entering modern parlance, the games, the models, the posters, the Princess Lair fantasies, the starships, all of it. All of this was sparked in 1977, and that is why, for me, um, it has to be the year um, in history because it was a year that brought Star Wars to to the world, even though Empire Strikes Back is a better film. Um, so I don't want to use the comparison to religion, but start, the beginning of Star Wars and the effect that it's had and linked people goes back to 1977, so it was the year dot, and there are two two pillars in my life beyond my kids that I cling to on the hard times and that I enjoy in the good times. One of them is history and the other one has to be, um, Star Wars.
3: No, look at the life-size Vader in the corner. Oh, look at you. You're going to look up and realize everyone's got their hoods up in like on a... <laughs> Apart from Kitty, looks like a mugger with a face mask on. <laughs> oh, I love you. Look at your little face. is so happy. It's like the most fluent you've ever been on anything. But. <laughs> <laughs> but. I have to question how forward thinking and feminist a role is if a woman has to go braless for the entire of her time on the job. And also that there's no violence in Star Wars thing. I might be confusing it with all the other sci-fi shit, but do they not blow up a planet in the first five minutes? Where's that star? Yeah. Uh,
8: Yeah, they do. But you don't see anyone die.
3: (laughs) Okay, I- I- Your enthusiasm. I think you're a loon. I think if Holmes was in he'd let you win. But I love you for that impassioned argument, Beth.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm on the same lines as, as, as Alex, really. You know, good on you. It was, as you say, very passionate and obviously very well presented, and obviously does mean quite a lot to you. um I only watched the Star Wars movies for the first time last year um after I'd got Disney Plus and watched all nine of them in one go. Um unfortunately you are not speaking to a Star Wars fan. I much prefer Star Trek to Star Wars. Um it's it, it's not really my thing. So unfortunately, you were not preaching to the to the converted. Um I liked your reference to the Pixar and you know, would we have had Pixar in the way we do without Lucasfilm and, and whatnot? But I do must take umbrage And while I appreciate your attempt at Disney Princess she's not the original Disney Princess seeing the Snow White came out 40 years earlier and then Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty as well so
8: I I like like where you were going with
3: it (laughs) I like where you were going with it let him have a comeback he's going to row with you, I love this Chris never rows go Go on on then, row with me
8: about Disney Chris um Well, if you look at if you look at the original Disney princesses, take Sleeping Beauty. She actually does nothing throughout the film, and she has to rely on the men to come and save her. Same with Snow White, and but with Princess Leia was the first of the new breed of princess. If you look at um, Ta- uh, Rapunzel, Elsa, Anna, of the you know I don't need a man, man to do this. I'm going to go and do this myself. Princess Leia was the first sort of female lead in a move, a sort of mass produced movie who went. Uh, who comes up with lines like what you came in here and you didn't even have a plan for getting out? Just follow me and get this big walking carpet run away runaway well yeah, yeah, but that George Lucas argued that you couldn't wear a bra in space because it because it's a vacuum and it would come up and strangle you Well, that's what he told Carrie Fisher anyway
4: no um <laughs> she doesn't fit into the she, yeah yeah, Disney owns Star Wars and all of that, but she doesn't fit into the Disney princess theme, so. No, in this aspect, as judge, I, I do not rule Princess Leia as a Disney princess. Um, a good effort, but, yeah, I liked how enthusiastic you got about it. And I, it was really nice to see that something you're talking about. It, like, you obviously really enjoyed and really meant a lot to you. Um, but, yeah.
3: I feel like mm-hmm. many, 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 many people that will resonate with, including... Yeah, definitely. You. But, unfortunately, I don't think you or I... Already
4: of those people <laughs> no and and i i can i can think of a city be interesting to see i don't think anyone has is doing one but it was not one of the years that i would have thought of when i was thinking about this it's not one of the years i thought that's one of the best years in history not even for the fact that some of the other things you mentioned don't even think it can give the best year although Holmes Holmes winning his medal is very important um Yeah, sorry Chris. Can I
6: come in with a word as the resident film nerd just in support of Chris? Because he he clearly, this is a passion for him. What uh, industrial light and magic have done for special effects, which started in 1977 with Star Wars, cannot be underplayed. They started out with a principle so simple, which was that in previous films, if you wanted to make something fly, a toy, toy spaceship, What you would do is you would put that thing on a string and have it go past the camera. Cue Edward hilarity and all sci-fi looking a bit ropey. What Industrial Light and Magic did was they made the model and they took the camera past it so that it would look like it was moving, but it would be a seamless shot. That is revolutionary. So from a film point of view and what we can do now based on that one thing that ballooned into a million other things, um, it can't be downplayed
3: as a very important year. Not the best year, of course,
6: but a very good year.
3: And also as well, you did you referenced the merchandising. They thought he was an absolute fucking loon when he said, no, no, I don't want hardly any money, but I want to cut of the merchandising. They were like, well, okay. Yeah, just-
8: mo- movies had never made money from merchandising before. Um, I think Alec Guinness took uh, 11% as well. Um, and they offered, uh, Carrie Fisher and, uh, some money and her agent went, well, what do you want to do that for? Um, but yeah, the, the, I mean, I, th- I think, it, the, I, I dread to think they, how much money they make on merchandising even now. And, um, quote Carrie Fisher as well. She said, um, George Lucas owned her image rights to the point that any, um, anything model made of her that looked like Princess Leia immediately, all the money went to him. And she's quoted as saying, I felt like I couldn't even look in the mirror without having to send George Lucas $5.
3: <laughs> yeah. Also as well, my only, my only bit of Star Wars, Star Wars nerdy factual knowledge is that Han Solo was originally a green swamp monster with a yeah. uh, oh,
5: Chris, Chris, can I just ask a question? Um, yeah. 1977, so that was the year Star Wars came out. Um, yeah. it was also the year of the Star Wars holiday special. Uh, where uh, do you yeah. stand on that? I, you know what? I haven't seen it.
8: It's on my YouTube watch later list.
3: Uh, plausible I, I, deniability
8: but um i, I realized after i would said the other day that my princess doesn't sing but i believe she does in the in the christmas special but i've heard it's really awful and that um she george lucas the has been
5: tuned to star wars oh
8: god um i know that george lucas apparently has said that if he can ever get he wants to destroy every copy of it because it's apparently that bad i i i can't bring myself to watch it because i i love star wars too much it's and
2: to watch <laughs>
3: many, many drinks. They bought them Lidl Coke um, <laughs> to get by on that. Right, okay, who should we go to next? Let's go to Merrin next. Merrin, what? Leave me alone. Some Renaissance type thingy shit was what. No, I, mean,
2: was what? I went back yeah. to Renaissance and decided that was just never going to work, really. Um, right, if this doesn't work, you'll have to edit it and cut it out.
3: Okay,
2: or I can just leave it in and we'll laugh. We can just leave it in and laugh, okay? I don't <laughs> right, know give that. it a go, give
3: it a go.
2: <laughs> All right. It's the 1st of January, 1791, a Saturday, and there's no way of knowing what an incredible year is about to unfold. What we do know is we have four great seasons ahead of us, and in fact, the four seasons do exist now. Vivaldi has already composed that little cracker. This is not the four seasons. What you can hear here, pop pickers. Is Mozart's Requiem. Maestro has shuffled off this mortal coil. There's never been a best year in the whole of human history. However, let's look on the upside and celebrate the fact that spring, summer, autumn and winter are increasing in popularity, racing up the classical charts and even being played at Mozart's funeral. Technically, I think we can get away with it. And Holmes, if you are listening, don't worry, I've even got licenses for these ones, all right? So, spring has sprung, as they say. Now then, in January, we see a strange thing happen. We see Canada being born as the British Parliament passes the Constitutional Act, splitting the old province de Quebec in cashing in on the idea that more than one language meant technically more than one country. Not to be outdone. The Bank of the United States is created nearby with $10,000 million in capital, a large sum of money. Rather than a dash for cash in the cash for dash dash dot dot dash dash, there's good news on the horizon, however, in this year, as Samuel Morse is born. But that's enough sound effects for now. The effect of transport evolving, countries bursting at the seams, and a great desire for exploration also led to more immediate needs for better communications at distance. Claude Schapp demonstrated the long-distance means of using semaphore this year. Flags up, flags down, and perhaps not in response to the little Frenchman waving his arms around, but Vermont was created, 14th United State. and in April this year, Columbia adds her star to the metaphorical red, white, and blue American... Yee! Star Spangled Banner. Not to be outdone in the evolution of borders and socially responsible government, the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth creates the first modern codified constitution in Europe. Now that's a step forward. To the east, while to the west, with her baguette in hand and with her little bicyclette, France has banned the feudalistic guild system, mainly thanks to the French Revolution, really. La France adopts the metric system, paving the way for the ultimate demise of feet and In book news this year, Thomas Paine's Rights of Man is published a work that suggests popular political revolution is perfectly permissible when a government does not safeguard the natural rights of its people. Here comes summer. July and a gentleman known as Haydn visits Britain. Now this isn't an earth-shattering event until you realize if he hadn't come to Britain we would not have had Haydn's 12 London symphonies. They're all pretty good and you know most of them. Again this isn't one. We've got to remember this is still all a bit baroque. Also, this month, the Declaration of Pilnitz was issued by Frederick of Prussia and the Holy Rem- Roman Emperor Leopold II, who happened to be Marie Antoinette's brother. It declared the joint support for the um, for King Louis XVI against the French Revolution, which it doesn't sound ideal, I know, because there's a lot going on with guillotines. We've got to admit that. But what happens is the declaration says. We declare, His Majesty the Emperor and His Majesty the King of Prussia declare together that they regard the actual situation of the King of France as a matter of communal interest for all sovereigns of Europe. In short, paving the way for liberté, égalité, fraternité et sororité, and the sense of communal interest eventually led to the creation of the European Union. Not that. The Brandenburg Gate was finished this year in Berlin, a neoclassical structure First used by Napoleon for a triumphal procession, the gate has since become a site for major historical events and is now considered not only as a symbol of the tumultuous history of Europe and Germany, but also of European unity and of peace. A gentleman named George Hammond is chosen as the First Minister Plenipotentiary to the United States, where he faces the daunting task of American grievances, addressing them against Britain while simultaneously advancing his home country's... I say, oh chum. ...agenda. This is the task he accomplishes with a small amount of panache. He does reasonably well, but he paves the way essentially for what ever since we've known as the very special relationship. Now then, across the pond, down the river we have the patent for a very important vessel coming into publication. It's a patent for a steam-powered marine vessel, which is essentially a steamboat to you and me, granted to one Mr John Finch. Further to that, important this year, the word baseball appears for the first time in a document that grants permission for the game to be played within 80 yards of the meeting house in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Back on this side of the pond, Camembert cheese is invented by Marie Arrel, a farmer in Normandy. And this really is a year for the French, because as the Declaration of the Rights of Women and of the Female Citizen is written, it's done so by Olymp de Gouges in response to the, Republic, to the publication of the Declaration of the Rights of Man and of the Citizen. Not bad, you might think. Yay! The capital of the United States, Washington, D.C., is named after the incumbent first president of the United States, George Washington. Okay, <laughs> let's see
3: here now.
2: My goodness, what a lot's going on. Here in Europe, the first serious secondary education school that's open to girls in Denmark, the School of 1791, is founded in Copenhagen. A law on Jewish emancipation is promulgated in France, the first such legislation in modern Europe. And here in Britain, the first issue of The Observer, the world's leading Sunday newspaper, allegedly, is published in London. And just 10 days later, the loosely United States ratify the first 10 amendments to the US Constitution, thus creating the United States Bill of Rights. Some other notable births this year. Anne Lister, landowner, diarist, mountaineer, traveller, first modern lesbian. Michael Faraday, whose main discoveries include the principles underlying electromagnetic induction, diamagnetism and electrolysis. And Charles Babbage, mathematician, philosopher, inventor, mechanical engineer and originator of the digital programmable computer. However, um, we'll have a little Baroque here because I like the Baroque. Above all, above everything, this is the year in which something remarkable happened in Great Britain. For the past few years, a man called William Roy had been working for the Board of Ordnance, the Defence Ministry, in surveying England's vulnerable southern coasts. This was a military operation, like naval cannon in the background here. Until then, maps such as they were had lacked the detail required for moving troops and planning campaigns with any degree of confidence. In fact, Doubt had set in among the military as to the veracity of many drawings on both sides of the channel. And so Roy was commissioned to settle a dispute over the actual positions of the Royal Observatories of Greenwich and Paris. This work involved constructing a more sophisticated theodolite for measuring angles horizontally and vertically, and for measuring a baseline on Hounslow Heath. Roy created a network of accurately measured triangles that was extended to France and then back to a verification baseline in Kent, and the Board of Ordnance bought a second new and improved Ramsden Theodolite to commemorate the event. And on the date of that purchase, 21st June 1791, we officially recognised the birth of Ordnance Survey. A lot happened around the world in 1791, but without the birth of Ordnance Survey here in Britain, it is highly unlikely that our understanding of geodesy would have evolved at the pace it did. That future exploration to lands other than our own would have ever been as successful, and we simply wouldn't have had a nationally consistent historical record of the British landscape. 1791 is the year we started to map Great Britain, and I think it makes the first year Britain was officially recorded in every part of the nation as being great.
3: Well done. I feel like you've just completely upped the game with sound effects forevermore.
4: <laughs> Beth, what do you think? I mean, absolute top marks for sound effects and presentation. I think Charlie needs to watch, watch her back. She's being, uh, she's got a close, she's got a competitor for the sound. My effect. eye on you, Merrin. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, a very, very strong, uh, argument there for 1791. You know, certainly a very important year with all those developments and all those important people who, who were born in that year and what was happening. Across the (laughs) pond in America, certainly a a, 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 like a a, almost like a watershed moment as you were. There's lots of stuff going on. Um, Disney, but no Disney. (laughs) But if you'd have managed to shoehorn that in, I'd have been seriously impressed. Um, But I suppose the part of me wonders: can a time without? something like quite basic as you know the modern medicine that we have today that's come, you know people are dying of seriously horrible diseases and have awful personal lives i'm just like is it can can anything beyond a certain point be the best year in history just that's just a rhetorical point that i was thinking about while you were scary when you mentioned
2: Yeah, but i think it's it's a good clock i don't think there can be a best year because we're we're so much more balanced now when we look Mm. back we go oh yeah that was great that was amazing or but do you know what
3: i think you've done that's really smart though um is that so the age of enlightenment supposed to be what till 1789 what you've done is pick a year that's sort of the culmination of it that is everything you've listed um Kind of ticks off and covers how far we've come in the preceding six or seven, eight decades. Um, yeah, I don't know if you intended to do that, but it's genius because what you've done is is pick a year that epitomises the age of enlightenment and human.
2: Lynch is sort of on his last legs, if not out at this point. Um, music definitely that entire change, art yeah. entire change, ways of thinking. But I suppose that the bit that I didn't cover in depth that I think really makes it good is pamphleteering. Don't laugh at the value of pamphleteering. People were starting to put There's down
3: the PR guru. right, tell us.
2: I know. They, they, they were starting to put down their thoughts on paper and send yeah. them across the other side of the world. And that made one heck of a difference. Mm. Whether it made it the best year, I don't know. But
3: I think mm. that's right. I think we're going to struggle to find a year that is all out sunny and wonderful and I think yeah. it's going to be the one Although you white. did
4: come close with this year because of Camembert, let's be honest.
3: <laughs> that was pretty epic, the fact. Yeah. that yeah,
4: So who doesn't like Camembert? If you don't like cheese, what's wrong with yeah. um, you?
3: Yeah, I so, don't know yeah. people that don't like cheese. Apparently, Raphael Nadal has never eaten cheese. He's either a liar or a freak. Freak. But, yeah. Like, no, it's
4: very, very Very a good, like, a, as Alex said, an interesting spin on it, to be sure. So, I, thank you, Marin.
3: I think it's a really good case. Uh, mm-hmm. We will see if anyone comes up, but I think it is going to come down to a, a weight of balance in more good than bad. Um, and I think it's a really good shout. I'm really impressed by that. Not least because of the sound effects. Um, but I have a feeling I'm going to be even more impressed but you know i want to do clive but i want to say oh no i can't wait i can't wait because please god let there be cockney dinosaurs go on clive oh
7: dear well that's a hard act to follow so i'm not sure how well i'll do but i'll do my very best when i started to think about which year to choose as the best in history my my mind was drawn to a time when the american dream appeared to be a reality and in the uk the mantra you've never had it so good had catapulted Harold Macmillan back into number 10 the year before, 1960, the time of new suburban housing estates with identical houses, front lawns, garages for the newly acquired car and kids pulling their little red radio flyer wagons along the street, just like in so many American movies. It was the middle of the period portrayed in Happy Days, the time of the Fonz, most particularly it was the era of the Cunningham family and many others like them who personified the American dream. In England, my earliest memories are of 1960 and moving to a new new build house on a similar development in the outer suburbs. For my father, who had been brought up in pre-war New Cross, this really was living the dream. 1960, it appeared, was a good time to be alive. Rock and roll had begun. Presley released its Now and Ever, and Roy Orbison. Only the lonely. Teenagers enjoyed new freedoms, both socially and economically. The Lady Chatterley trial allowed smart Employment was high, and after years of post-war austerity, the prospects were rosy. In America, Kennedy was elected and brought hope. In Germany and Japan, two countries devastated by the Second World War, the post-war economic miracles were underway. you won the war, but we are winning the peace a young German diplomatically said to my parents. Even in Africa, the wind of change was blowing and new countries were emerging after decades of colonialism. Cuba was liberated following years of brutal dictatorship, and in Asia, newly independent countries were developing. It would be easy to conclude that 1960 was a really good year, the best. But then I looked deeper. The Soviet Union, Warsaw Pact countries were oppressed. The Gulag Archipelago in full swing. The Cold War was moving towards a peak. Gary Powers was shot down. China was smack in the middle of the great leap forward and heading towards a cultural revolution. Spain was still in the grip of Franco and his barbarity. Portugal was similarly fascist and its colonies in turmoil. Latin America was a basket case of US imperialism and corrupt dictatorships. Algeria was fighting for independence, the apartheid regime in South Africa committed the Sharpeville massacre, civil war broke out in the newly independent Congo and UN troops were sent in. In Greensboro, North Carolina, black people protested to be allowed to sit at the counter in Woolworths. The first 3,500 US troops were sent to Vietnam. Civil rights were, were but a dream in Northern Ireland, homosexuality was illegal, racism was rife and permitted. Women had no equal rights. The contraceptive pill was still a wear away. Economic growth and technological advances were leading to increased and unrestrained consumerism and then to plastic pollution, air contamination and climate change. And perhaps worse than all of this, Brian Highland entered the charts with itsy-bitsy-teeny-weeny yellow polka-dot bikini. I could go on. So even in that halcyon time of 1960, when I played contentedly with my corgi and dinky toy cars and watched Andy Pandy and the Wooden Tops on a grainy black and white television, there was a lot going on that didn't penetrate my suburban Medill. Indeed, it now emerges that the US suburban Medill created in the 1950s and 1960s was false and built on the back of fundamentally racist and segregationist loan policies. Yep, however good it looked. On the outside, 1960 was shit, rotten to the core. And so sadly was every other year I explored. While people are without a doubt the best thing that this world has to offer, and this pandemic has shown how tough life can be without regular recourse to friends and family and just random encounters with passing strangers, people are also among the worst things on this earth And for all the good that a hundred or a thousand or a million decent people can do, a few people with even intentions, or sometimes just inadvertently and without thought, can make life very bad indeed. And so I expanded my search to try to find a year when the world improved for all of humanity. And necessarily this search had to predate humanity itself. For as the story of Genesis gives us Eve and her apple and Cain slaying his brother, it seems that wickedness and its consequences have always been with us. I turned my search to the time before the first evidence of Homo sapiens' existence, some 300,000 years ago, and I found the year. A year that worked well for all of humanity. 66 million BCE. Or to be more precise... 66.038 66.038 plus or minus 0.025 million years ago. I can't be more precise than that as there were no people around to, at the time to record exactly when it was, but it's a pretty precise time in the circumstances. This was the year of the mass extinction event that wiped out dinosaurs. It wasn't just the dinosaurs that went but somewhere between 47 and 70% of all species that lived at that time. Dinosaurs have been the dominant life form for over 150 years. Yes, just pause a second to recall that humans in any form have only been around for 300,000 years. There were around 628 to 1,078 different species of non-avian dinosaurs. And then suddenly, there weren't. Obviously, we don't know precisely what happened, and science on this subject is relatively new. Well, in the scheme of 66 million years, 40 years is like no time at all. The most likely theory is, however, that an extraterrestrial projectile some 5 to 15 kilometres wide hit the Earth at Chicxulub. Oh, bloody hell. They do have to land somewhere where you can't pronounce. Anyway, (laughs) in Mexico. The impact would have shaken the entire globe and caused immediate and massive earthquakes and set off volcanic eruptions and tsunamis around the world. A global wildfire would have broken out and killed unsheltered animals, and most dinosaurs appear not to have been sheltering types. A dust cloud would have caused a sustained and global winter and would have denied those that survived sustenance as the lack of light would have led to the collapse of all photosynthesis and the death of all leafy plants screwing up the food chain. Only seed-eating creatures could have survived and dinosaurs do not appear to have been seed-eating. Dinosaurs were royally fucked. And so why is this so positive for humanity? Well, without the extinction of dinosaurs, the world would not have been a susceptible place for the evolution of mankind many millions of years later. Of course, there were a good number of intervening factors in the evolution of Homo sapiens. But if we are to look for one year, one important event, the year the meteor struck must be it. That year, in 66.038 million years BCE, was without a doubt the most important and best year for all of human history. It was a year without which there would have been no humanity. Critically, it was also a year with no negative impact upon humans or... And this is the key point caused by humans. I'd like to finish by imagining a scene that dinosaurs themselves might have imagined had they been capable of making disaster movies. A small herd of large, possibly feathered dinosaurs is grazing happily in meadows which their families had grazed for generations, possibly for millennia, possibly for millions of years. A mother dinosaur chomps away alongside her son. We can't be sure what dinosaurs sounded like. And so I'll make an assumption. Nice bit of grass, this. Yep, yeah, it is. It's just like it was yesterday. Just like it is every day. Oi, what's with the attitude? Come on, you've got to agree. Nothing ever happens, does it? We wake up, we eat grass. If we're lucky, we might have a shag or lay an egg. And then... We go off to Kip again. Not exactly intellectually stimulating, is it? Be careful what you wish for, son. Wait! What? Blimey! What the actual fuck was that? Nothing for you to concern yourself with. Get munching. Need to eat. You need to eat a lot. For what? So I can have energy to eat more grass? And to make yourself strong. We can find a mate, and we can preserve the species, you know, keep our DNA going. That sounds like a great ambition. Well, it's been enough for our family for the last few million years. Wait a minute. It's gone dark, and cold, and the earth is shaking, and the grass is on fire. Just my luck. A bit of excitement comes along, and we're all doomed. And they were. But thanks to their disappearance, our ancestors evolved, and here we are, locked down and talking shit on the Internet. Yes, the greatest single year for the human race was not 1960, but 66 million BCE.
6: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online.
0: Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
3: I love it, I love it. I've got my dinosaurs. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. How can you argue with it? Right. Zach and I were actually having a conversation earlier on about what if dinosaurs hadn't been extinct and what would have happened. And we ended up down this fucking rabbit hole where super intelligent dinosaurs had uh, like hybrid breeding with humans and stuff and were like running the planet. And then we had dinosaur cavalry in wars as well, and it was epic. Heather's chosen precisely the wrong moment to enter the room, uh, for all of this madness. But, uh, I love it. I love it. What's the alternative? If this doesn't happen, we're all buggered. Either that, or if there's no super intelligent dinosaurs, they just eat us all and we're dead. I mean,
4: I was really, really on board with it until he started talking about them all dying and like, like now I'm really sad that the dinosaurs died. It just makes me, keeps making me think of, other sad dinosaur films like *The Land Before Time*, which just completely scarred me as a child. Um, but again, re- a really different spin on it. Um, I did wonder where you were going when you were talking about 1960 and how. It was. I, started, I thought the dinosaur has he got the vengeance right. of the stick here? Yeah. Uh, but like, no, again, like really, really different, unusual, well thought out. And again of course, top marks for, for accents. Everyone's done quite well so far for getting themselves some extra bonus points.
7: Sorry I didn't mention any Disney things, but I couldn't think of any Disney things with Dracula. No, you just
3: think the good dinosaur is just about the most weepy cartoon I've ever seen in my life. I love it. I've never been so fucking traumatised by a kid's cartoon in all my life. Mm-hmm. Jar Jar Kit has got some science stuff on dinosaurs. Uh,
5: yeah, so the, uh, the extinction event that Clive is talking about, it, it's, it's hugely disputed exactly what happened with the dinosaurs, um, but he's talking about the Alvarez hypothesis, which was um, there was a Nobel Prize winner called Luis Alvarez and his son was a geologist. And they were basically just mucking around looking at rocks and suddenly they noticed this big change and went, oh, um, OK, there must have been a, a sort of a, a cataclysmic event that wiped out the dinosaurs. It wasn't a progressive thing. But dinosaur history is always amusing to me. Um, If anyone's been to Crystal Palace uh, and you've gone down and seen the Crystal Palace dinosaurs, that's what the Victorians thought dinosaurs looked like because they had no idea whatsoever. And even as, you know, as late as 1993, you've got Jurassic Park with the dinosaurs having got feathers. They probably did, some of them. So, um, you know, we're constantly evolving what we know about the dinosaurs and exactly what happened. Uh, But at the moment, it's all clouded in history. It's clouded in the mists of time.
3: Clouded in the mysteries of time. That's like an album cover. Oh, I love the hand action that goes with it.
5: Yeah, well, well, Clone's background is perfect for an album cover.
3: (laughs) Dark lucky magpies are just feathery fucking velociraptors.
1: (laughs) They kill everything they see.
3: Have you seen, though, what a velociraptor actually looked like? It basically looks like it's just stepped out of an 80s glam rock band. Because it's got like brightly colored. I saw one in Montana mocked up and there's one in a kid's book that I bought for my mate's kid for Christmas but didn't give it to him because I wanted it for myself. But there's pictures of these velociraptors which actually were covered in feathers and they're all like brightly colored and they all look like they're about to rock out an electric guitar and start shrieking. Oh, it's epic. I love, I love
1: what I love what they've done with the Deinonychus display at um, the Natural History Museum. That they've taken their old kind of animatronic grr, 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 kind of moving around ones and just basically chucked a shit ton of feathers on them, and it's absolutely hilarious at the Natural History Museum. now. I love it.
7: <laughs> but Alex, you have to realise that Mark Bolam was with T Rex. Obviously, they knew a thing or two. They they saw it coming.
2: My mum saw them live.
7: I know. They've dug up the trees around where he died really? just recently.
3: What
7: for? I don't know. They've cleared all those trees away.
3: Ooh. A bit late now. <laughs> oh, Clive, I love you. I love you. I really like this one. Heather, you're a sciencey person. Best year in history, end of dinosaurs, yay or nay?
6: Oh, I would have to say yes, personally.
3: Brilliant. I love it um should we have a break let's have a break and go get a drink um and then we'll come back and we've got three more yay (laughs) we are back after a short break uh which involves everybody running off to get sweets and beth said the word treats and my cat hit the deck like "whoa." um so thanks for that uh right okay we've got three left to do uh i'm i've been really interested by what we've had so far because they've all been completely different um and insane in some cases. Let's go to... Go to Lockie.
1: Right. Best so, year
3: ever. Best
1: year ever. So I wanted something modern-ish with most of the benefits of modern medicine, but I didn't want that fuckstick Hitler involved. So I pushed it as close as I can without bringing that bastard into play. And, and so I've gone with 1928. Brilliant. Um, so, actually, kind of looking into it, I was pretty surprised by how much good stuff was in it because I need one or two good things as well as being pre-Wall Street crash, which then leads on to fucking shitstorm, uh, of course. But yeah, it's good. There's there's excitement. There's discovery. There's there's real kind of change for for the better. There's promise that delivers. There's there's a lot to like. I mean. So, breaking my kind of fun and games down into categories, uh, I have structure here. Uh, I've got science and medicine, politics and equality, and fun and comfort. All right? So, let's let's roll with this. Science and medicine, first of all. Apparently, there was some guy called Frederick Griffiths who did some experiments and, and uh, came, took a stride towards discovering DNA. Never heard of that. Didn't know what that existed. Alexander Fleming. We we know about him, don't we? Um, Alexander Fleming is quite a big deal. In in September, he discovered um, that a fungal contamination of a Staphylococcus aureus culture was killing the bacteria. This is good. He did another experiment in September, uh, which confirmed um, his findings. Um, This was good. Uh, He wrote it up and it got published um, the following year. And then bugger all happened. I think Alexander Fleming was boring. Um uh, I think there's a problem with kind of his personality in kind of compelling people that what he discovered was actually a big deal, but it, it was essentially talking about penicillin uh, here. Um, not really much happened until wartime when all of a sudden uh, demand for uh, antibiotics was really quite high. Uh, And it seems there was some dusting off of research. uh, And in 19, successful treatments took place in 1942. But the discovery itself uh, being made was quite a big deal. uh, I'm going to put out there. So 1928 for the discovery of penicillin, which then turned into a thing which saved we ballpark about 200 million lives. Is pretty good. Something like that. Anyway, something like that. It's still saving lives, uh, of course. Fleming got his Nobel Prize in 1945, so it's not until other people kind of got involved that this became a big deal. But the discovery is cool. Speaking of cool, TV is cool. We like TV. John Logie Baird's TV experiments. Uh, he broadcast a signal from London to New York, uh, in July, and the first colour signal broadcast, um, was uh, a little bit later that year as well, up in Edinburgh. So, I mean, it's nice that we're talking about fun things like this and not kind of world-changingly changing, dismal um, things, by the way. Um, politics and equality, um, we're not talking about big, horrible wars. We're talking about things that make wars less likely or less shit when they do happen. Um, so we had a thing called the of Pact, Pact, um, or Pact of Paris, which essentially made aggressive war illegal now that <laughs> doesn't stop war uh as we know but it does mean that there is a basis of consequences for those who wage aggressive war and presumably they have to lose as well um which which happily the nazis did of course so it provided the legal basis for the Nuremberg and tokyo trials uh after the second world war so it's nice to go through that process um the international red cross and red crescent movements were formally established uh in october as well and these sort of brought together some similarly aligned uh, but, uh different faith humanitarian institutions um around the kind of foundations of, of national relief for, for wounded soldiers neutrality and protection for wounded soldiers um, uh utilization of volunteers for relief on a battlefield um and that that's of course still running, and there's about 97 million volunteers and members worldwide nowadays. So this is this is a good thing. Um, domestically here in Britain, I like this: uh, the Representation of the People Act bracket uh, equal franchise close bracket 1928, uh, women getting the same voting rights as men uh, in 1928, allowing you know genuine equality uh, of representation. And um, it's nice that Millicent Garrett Fawcett uh the, the leader of the largest women's suffrage um group of organisations was there for it. I mean she'd been a a leading player in the uh, representation of the people at nineteen eighteen which gave the first women the right to vote but not everyone clearly um but actually kind of it goes a bit broader than that. There was a broader women's rights movement in, in uh, with women's organisations being set up in places you really wouldn't necessarily expect it. Um uh, Albania and Afghanistan set up women's protection. Um, societies in 1928 as well, which is just good news. Um, and, and kind of this sense of equality ties in with the fun side of thing uh, as well. It is fun. It's the Roaring Twenties, for goodness sake. Um, and it's before they went sour <laughs> in 29. So you have got this period of rapid economic growth, which had ballooned in the second half of the 1920s after you know Dawes Plan, etc. But you got this feeling of modernity. Uh, that kicks in through it you've got cultural movements like uh jazz uh, art deco you know dance clubs and uh, and flap flapper fashion which which of course i'm an expert in because um i've seen poirot um but uh no yeah short skirts um revealing whole entire calves. um calm down clive and indeed beth we're not quite talking about knees here just yet uh bob's here Ton of makeup and, and public cigarette smoking is kind of the gist of it as far as I can see. Uh you've also got an Olympic year. Every, the Olympics is always fun. Uh and the Amsterdam 1928 Olympics, it's the first Olympic flame uh that we see. Um, Johnny Weissmuller of Tarzan fame won two gold medals in the pool uh as well, which is a laugh. But the equality thing kicks on as well because you get the first uh women allowed to compete in the track and field. Uh, events as well, and it's a shame Alina's not here, because actually the first female track and field gold medalist is a Polish woman, uh, called, oh, right, let's try this, Helena Konop- Konopaczka. Uh, that's, that's as good as I'm getting. Uh, with that, she got gold in the hammer. Um, the Olympics also brought Coca-Cola, uh, to Europe, uh, as the sponsors of the Games, and Coca-Cola has got me through many a hangover, so thank you for that. It is also actually the mixer with my rum, uh, at the moment, so, cheers here's the big one here's the big one here we go 1928 walter elias disney produced (laughs) a seven minute and 46 seconds animated film called steamboat willie okay it introduced Mickey Mouse to the world. It wasn't the first Mickey Mouse film, but it was the first one to be distributed. His first two sucked. Uh, okay. It was praised for its production style as much as the humor and, and quality and the fun of it. It was a huge hit. Disney was paid a thousand dollars for its two week run in the cinema, which was a huge deal at the time. Won himself a nice big distribution contract, and the rest is history. Uh, okay, you know, Disney is now a brand worth over $200 billion. Now, here's a question. What do we say when something is good? Okay, we say it is the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah? Introducing Otto Frederick Roveder, a clockmaker from Davenport, Iowa, whose invention on the 7th of July, 1928, produced the first machine-slice and machine-wrapped loaf of bread. Ladies and gents, this is it. This is literally the benchmark by which we judge good things, okay? I mean, can there have been anything better since then? I I don't know. Anyway, jokes aside, what do we got? We've got medical discoveries saving hundreds of millions of lives. We've got economic prosperity. We've got closing on genuine equality. We've got fun, fun, fun by the bucket load uh, coming through, including the Olympics and, you know, the making of Walt Disney, 1928. People, it is the best thing since sliced bread. (laughs)
3: <laughs> that was a blinding, blinding presentation, Lockie. Um, you smashed it out of the park, but I feel you put all your eggs in the Beth basket on that one. Um, <laughs> cause all I could see in my head is that had some little hague face with the dog in the picture and... Oh,
1: don't do
3: that, man. No, it, it's a good one. I, I'm not qualified to talk about Kit was nodding his head like anything. Actually, so was Heather. Uh, guys, sciencey shit. Is he right? Is it that big a deal?
5: Well, when you're talking about penicillin, it is it is a game changer. Antibiotics is, are one of the main drugs that we use. They are drugs that have saved millions of lives, hundreds of millions of lives. Um, we probably wouldn't have modern medicine as we think of it today without them. Um, Alexander Fleming was a boring shit. There's no getting around it. Um, but his work did set up uh, the discovery, which was done by Agagor Florey. Um, uh, predominantly during the second world war research. Um, and from there we get a whole host of different medicines. So it's incredibly important. Um, and penicillin's, yeah, it's, it's one of those medicines that we, we probably have wasted a little, a little bit with the uh, antibiotic resistance, which is a terrible, terrible thing and a real risk. And when we start seeing that creeping in even more, we're really going to know what we're going to miss.
3: I'm allergic to penicillin, just saying. I think Charlie is as well. Um, Heather, science, <laughs> shit, yay or nay?
0: Yes. It's, it, instead of just like cracking the door open, um, on health, it kind of like karate kicked it open. So racing off of penicillin, we got so much more from it.
3: I think it's a really good shout. Well done for finding a year in the 20th century that wasn't totally shit as well. I think it's the, it's the proper calm
4: before the storm, isn't it? Like before yeah. the shit hits the fan. I will just say, as you started saying 1928, literally, I can show you as well. The first thing on my notes, before you even started talking, was Steamboat Willie. So, because <laughs> so you, you, uh, definitely got a hold of him on with that one. <laughs> but no, really, really good actually. Like all the other stuff as well, like the science stuff, I didn't have much clue about. And yeah, it's definitely, uh, thought provoking. But definitely the calm, yeah. No, obviously I like that one. So well done. <laughs> Another
3: fun one, isn't it? Um,
4: it's, yeah. It's the
5: bit in, in cabaret before they go to the, the the beer garden and there's all the Nazis. You yeah. know, it's the fun bit of cabaret.
3: Yeah. <laughs> the beer Nazis. <laughs> right. Okay. Two to go. Uh, oh, who should we do next? Who should we do next? Let's do. Let's do Charlie next. Yay! I'm looking forward to this one. I I know exactly what year you're going to pick. Aha!
6: Well, it's not not hard to figure out what year I'm going to pick because, you know, I am restoration cake and I am an unashamed royalist. So I'm going to pick the year 1660. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to shamelessly, shamelessly pander to our guest judge. And this is for Beth. Okay, this is for you Beth. (laughs) This is 1660, history's greatest year, a Disney home video presentation. Are you sitting comfortably? Once upon a time, there was a land without a king. Little London, a quiet city, every day like the one before. Little London, full of little people. Waking up to... (laughs) Oh no. What is going on here? Well, the big bad Cromwell died in September 1658. His son had been unable to grant his father's wish that he would grow up to be a real protector. The land was torn between the parliament and the army. The evil army hoped to use Richard as their puppet ruler, but he refused, said, Hi diddle an exile's life for me, and was turned into a donkey. The evil army dismissed Parliament, and by Christmas 1659, London fell to chaos. As so many great years will, 1660 started out the rift of hope. The poor people knew that every town has its ups and downs, and sometimes ups outnumber the downs but not in London town. (laughs) All was not lost for little London because a young king was waiting across the sea, across the sea, called Charles. He was the son of a king murdered by a herd of stampeding buffalo in 1649. Sorry, I mean executed by rebels following a show trial. Young Charles had spent 11 years keeping... One jump ahead of the lawman, that's all and that's no joke. These guys don't appreciate I'm broke. And he was brassic. The young king relied upon the kindness of faithful royalists in Little London, who sent him what money they could afford in the hope that someday their prince would come. He was a handsome young king with flowing locks of wavy chestnut hair, eyes as black as pitch and a big nose. What? Some people like big noses. His moustache was as thin as a pencil, and when he laughed, he laughed with his whole body. The early days of 1660 were when the tides began to change. A good general by the name of Monk saved Parliament from the evil army, and little London cried out for her young king. They asked Charles to come home. And he just couldn't wait to be king. But the danger had not yet passed. That night, Charles was woken from a deep, deep sleep by a messenger with news. The Spanish governor of Brussels, yes, the Spanish ruled that part of the Netherlands at the time, knew that the young king was a valuable friend to hold. And he did not want to let it go, let it go. <laughs> Luckily for Charles, the Spanish tend to sleep in, so he gathered his closest friends and he rode to freedom before the sun came up upon a golden horse. He rode into the unknown, <laughs> through the night, through the night, to the safety of his sister's court at the Hague in what would be the young king's final dramatic escape. He travelled on to Breda, where he was pronounced king and given a chest full of gold to with which to dress himself finally he had been so poor for so many years that he called his brothers and his sister to look at the contents of the chest saying look at this stuff isn't it neat he dressed himself handsomely in a silver doublet and a cloak of golden lace and sailed home to england king charles landed at dover and made his way to Little London to ride triumphantly into the city on his 30th birthday, the 29th of May, 1660. The procession was a riot of colour, spectacle and noise, with people lining the streets to see their young king. Musicians played as fine tapestries and beautiful women waved from the streets above, calling King Charlie, handsome is he, King Charles II. He rode through his people for hours at the head of an army of 20,000 soldiers, some on foot and some mounted on fine horses, marching only in peace. He assured the good people of Little London, you got a friend in me, and he promised to build them a whole new world. The poor people had been forbidden to smile for many years under the big bad Cromwell, and they rejoiced as their young king reopened the theatres and established the post office. The fountains of little London ran with wine and they danced into the night singing oodle lally oodle lally day. A group of friends gathered together and formed what would later be known as the Royal Society, making science and discovery something for which the young king would come to be known. By the king's order, women were allowed to perform on the stage for the first time. Before the year was out, The first woman would have trodden the boards, but she would not be the last. One young girl in particular started to daydream of a life upon the stage, a beauty but a funny girl. She really was a funny girl that now! 1660 was truly the greatest year, as the new king freed his land from boredom and oppression, creating a land filled with beauty and song, art and performance, science and exploration, and they all lived. Happily ever after. (laughs) Can
3: I just say that you've taken the most dubious selection in this argument and made it so that Beth will die before she votes for anyone else. Look at her. Charlie's got her tiara on. She smashed that.
5: There's
3: not even any point in me saying anything. Beth. (laughs) Oh, that was
4: Charlie, that was just wonderful. I love you, Charlie. I I love you. <laughs> literally it did, it helps as well that you actually in all of that you managed to actually pick one of my favorite my, actually my favorite disney film in it all was of that beauty and the beast i know i know yeah you picked it and that was that was just really i mean when you when i saw you were doing 1660 and i did a little bit of reading beforehand um i did i did wonder where you were going to go with it i was like i wonder like well, how is it going to stack up Never did I think we would get the theatre that was just displayed. Um <laughs> so thank you. Thank you Charlie for making my guest judging that,
2: that much more wonderful. <laughs>
3: Cause so. I'm sitting here Disney the... points, bravo, bravo, wonderful. I'm looking at Chris in his Star Wars t-shirt and a, with a face that just says, she's made me look like a fucking mug. <laughs> 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 Poor Lucky who went all out with steve willie It's just like, didn't realise I had to perform the whole episode of <laughs> The whole segment.
6: You, you thought you'd put Disney references in for Beth. I figured that was the only way I stood
3: a chance in hell. <laughs> now we know that when Merrin was doing her awesome, awesome sound effect fest, Charlie was like, yeah, whatever, bring it, bring it. <laughs> <Pretty much. laughs> Heather, you're a Disney sucker.
0: Yes. It was nice. I, I really liked it. That was
3: superb. <laughs> it was a superb performance. Well done, Charlie. Good luck hearing it. Yeah. <laughs> Kit, can you top it?
5: Oh, of course I can't top it. I can't <laughs> sing. I can't dance. I don't know any Disney movies except Robin Hood, which is the best oh, one. The
3: best one. Yeah. There were two Robin Hood songs in there for you, Kit. Hawks on the Phony King of England.
5: <laughs> okay, I'm okay. going to have to do it. No <laughs> frills, no gimmicks. Um, although there is one reference for Beth, which was completely accidental. It wasn't deliberate. <laughs> no,
3: I love it. Okay. Dolly just threw her tiara as tiaras. Take that, fuckers.
5: <laughs> the greatest year. The greatest year isn't about births. It isn't about deaths. It isn't about marriages. Um, or maybe marriages. It's about the experience of what it's like to live it. Uh, and I don't care what happens in the next year. I, this is about this particular year that we've picked. So I'm going to take you to a year that is the most popular year for people when talking about time travel. Similarly to Merrin, I've picked a year that sums up not just a year, but an entire age, the Victorian age. I have picked 1889. Uh, It is one of the most peaceful years in human history. Wars, there were... None. Um, There were a few very small minor scale skirmishes. Perhaps the biggest was the Johnson County War in the US, a homesteader battle against cattle ranchers in which 35 people died. And that's really about it. That's your wars for 1889. But was it good? The short answer is yes, it was great and good for everybody across Europe a new wave of optimism and progressivism had begun to emerge. We already had the light bulb, we had sanitation, we had the first automobiles, pain relief and public transport. The previous year, we had seen the fear and horror of Jack the Ripper in London, but that was gone now, and people had finally realised we needed to get rid of the slums and improve conditions for working uh, impoverished people. All of this done to a rousing chorus of Gilbert and Sullivan and, of course, the theatre of Oscar Wilde. Or if you want to go and see some football, you can go and see the FA Cup holders, who were West Bromwich Albion. In France, the Belle Epoque had begun and people flocked to see the 1889 World Fair. 32 million people descended on Paris at that event alone. And what was there? Well, the symbol of France itself, the Eiffel Tower, had been constructed. You could go there and meet Thomas Edison in person, showing off his new invention of recorded sound, the phonograph. Back home, a company called Columbia were already creating records for it. Or you could take a ride in the first safety elevator from the Americans at Otis. For the first time, prefab metal housing was showcased and there was an oak barrel filled with 200,000 bottles worth of champagne. The Barnum and Baby Circus performed. Buffalo Bill's Wild West show dazzled with Annie Oakley. And just imagine you were in those crowds. In one place alone, you could meet uh, Edison, Oakley, the legend that was Bertie, the future King Edward VII. You could have Henry James, Nikola Tesla, Paul Gagan, Vincent van Gogh. Uh, the later, of course, would paint Starry, Ar- uh, Starry Night in Arles later that year. Or you could take a short journey to Amiens, where you could knock on the door of Mr Jules Verne. It was an astonishing place to meet new and exciting minds. Of course, you could go home on the luxury of the Orient Express, Or you could use a car or a bicycle. Tyres had just been invented by a new company uh, called Dunlop. And there was now a company called Michelin competing. You could go and dance with the girls of the Moulin Rouge, which was like the Savoy in London, just opened in this year. But why stay in Europe? When we think of human history, we often think too much about Europe and North America. It's too small a frame of mind. In South America, people were cheering 1889 for an entirely different reason. It was the first year that Brazil had finally abolished slavery and everyone in that year was born free for the first time in human history. And North America, things were changing too. the Oklahoma land rush began to complete a united linked continental United States. The first jukebox made it sound in San Francisco. Montana and Washington were now um, admitted as the 41st and 42nd states. Now, there were, of course, some disasters. There was the Great Fire of Seattle. But, oh, no, sorry, my mistake. Nobody died in the Great Fire of Seattle. Everybody lived. And anyone who has a feeling a little down could always try a new drink just invented called Coca-Cola. This was the beginning of a period known as the Roaring 90s in the US. It was a good time to be alive. In Japan, Mehi Repra- uh, Constitution was adopted. And that changed everything for them. But never mind that, because Fushijaro Yamauchi founded a small company to make playing cards. You might have heard of it. It was called Nintendo. And tying all of this together, the world was watching as a single person was going around the world in under 80 days. No, not Phileas Fogg. I'm talking about a woman reporter called Nellie Bly, who's showing that girls were frankly better than boys at pretty much everything. Bly's travels as a journalist, she recorded them in detail, show a final, essential point about why I chose 1889. It is the first and and last year where the modern and old age meets. It's the year you could choose the life you want. Did you want to live a peaceful life in a sleepy cottage in the remote wilderness? You could. Did you want to be in a city brimming with excitement and life and light and entertainment? You could do that, too. Or did you want to travel to see the world, not watered down, not a touristic illustration, but feel yourself truly immersed in different cultures that had yet melted together, together to form a sort of a homogenous mess? Well, in 1889, you could go to a different country and it'd be truly different. The glamour of Europe, the clamour of the Middle East, the spices of India, the mysteries of China, the untouched wilds of Africa or the American frontier It would be gone in less than 10 years. 1889 was the last year where the past remained truly a foreign country while giving us the security and comfort of peace. And that is what makes it the best damn year in history.
3: Oh, very well done, Kit. I really love that. It was like a little journey round the planet. I do want to know, though, uh, scramble for Africa. There may not be any wars, but What's what on the continent of Africa?
5: What's what well on the continent of Africa? So there is a scramble for Africa going on. You're absolutely right. Have we there got a being an asshole? <laughs> we have some minor, uh, the main problem is actually German East Africa. Um, okay. There are some, uh, there are some struggles at the moment in trading at the time there. Um, in terms of everything else, again, it's pretty much everything has more or less settled down, um, which was, Quite surprising, given, given what's going on. There obviously are problems, um, with, uh, Belgian Congo issues like that, um, which we do need to sort of raise. They hadn't really got to the troublesome point at that stage yet. Uh, um, Berlin Conference
1: but, had ironed out a lot of the kind of disputes, hadn't they, by that stage? And that's exactly there, there, was, there was no like arguments gonna...
5: between the big, the, the big powerhouse nations. The big sticking point, if I had to pick one, is, is this giving land to Leopold II, who was a nut job um and just just wanted to plunder the place um but as i say it hadn't quite got to the the uh the the stage of, of millions of people having their hands locked off which is where it ended up
4: yeah again really like this this today has been a really strong round of of choices like everyone has everyone's managed to get in a reference which is great like the, the, for for Disney or or, or even football from kit, really impressed with the football kit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so many so many wonderful, like fantastic things. You know that you mentioned. You know with like pain relief and just you know, as you say with Nelly Bly. I remember you told us that story before. Nelly Nelly Bly, fantastic, absolute woman crush on that woman. Just again, really solid. I don't, I don't have any criticisms except for one which is a point you did miss out Keith that when we saw the mention of the year we must not forget that it is the year that Hitler was born but I suppose
3: <laughs> it was baby Hitler so maybe we can brush the it probably one of the last years where it's acceptable to name your baby Adolf yes unless you're the guy that owns Adidas his parents did that that's why it's Adidas because his name is Adolf dasler or something, is that right? Is his initials yeah, or he really was,
5: yeah. Um so uh the, the Adidas and Puma um companies were actually founded by brothers who hated each other, one of whom was was unquestionably an ardent Nazi and and uh, yes, there was an adolf in, in there as well. Um you're absolutely right, uh this was the the year that Hitler was born. It was also the year that Charlie Chaplin was born. Um but um I think that we need to judge the year solely on its on its merits, what the year is, rather than what happens in the future. That's Sort of stretching out what we're doing. It's bad um, it is, isn't it? I would also mm. point out that this is the one year where Hitler would basically turn around, ranting and raving, and covered in shit in his own um, urine, uh, until 1945 when he just repeated doing that. So um
1: it's okay because one of Kit's contacts is going to help him uh, discover time travel. So he's going to go back in time and, and kill, it, uh, yeah, kill baby really Hitler funny. anyway.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Tell us, Kit. Tell everybody. This is great. This is some loon that's found you on the internet. How does time travel work again?
5: Oh God! Oh, don't 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 go into this. I, I get lunatics like this. You all the You know what? Time.
3: You tell this story while Beth and I confer.
5: Okay. I'm, I'm, tra- I'm trying to remember what his what his what his crazy theory was. Now, it's, they all blend into one another. My, my personal favorite from history was uh, I had a guy contact me um, about science, saying that everything was stolen from Japan. And his theory was that if you look at a globe, Europe and Japan are really close to together if you go over the pole. And so his idea was that basically Europeans had gone over Antarctica, oh, sorry, the Arctic, nicked stuff from the samurai and then legged it back with nobody making any notes. Um, this is the kind of, of random stuff I get. Um, there was recently uh, someone saying that I think it was Apple. Uh, there, there's a there's a historian who was going on about Apple using time travel vaccines or something like that to cause COVID. Just utter bollocks. Um, yeah, you get some you get some interesting people out there.
3: You do indeed. Right, let's go around the room while Beth and I finish off deciding what's what uh, and find out if you couldn't have your own year, whose would you have? Meryn?
2: I would... You see, the Disney thing... I'm not sure about the Disney thing. I understand the Disney thing, but I'm not sure about the Disney thing. I have to say dinosaurs are fairly up there because who doesn't love dinosaurs? It's got to be sliced bread. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's got to be the best thing to sliced bread just for the cheese of that alone. It's really corny. I think it's brilliant.
7: Clyde. I'm struggling between... Lockie and Dr. Kitt on this one. They both are very, very strong contenders. Um, because Dr. Kitt's had no reference for to Disney, though, I have to go with Dr. Kitt.
3: Lockie,
7: I do you
1: know what? There's there's not there's a couple of things that have, have made that I kind of just want to see from history, like make me wish I was born in a different time so that I can see. I think one is Queen Live um, with Freddie is absolute banging it.
3: 1986 at Wembley. Something like
1: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, you know, something I will never see and shit me. Um, uh, And another is a a line of uh ships of the line at full sail uh, and so i think i've got to go for the 1790s um for for, for that reason i i I, li- I like the pitch anyway i think it's fun and there's a lot of historical like i mean the french revolution's a huge deal and and for me kind of you know i'm a i'm a modern historian really so kind of history starts in sort of 1789 for me but like that um, this you know, there's dinosaurs there's romans and then there's the french revolution and then things start happening but um yeah, that, that period is a, is, is something I would want
8: to see. So I'm going to go for that.
3: Chris, if you can't have 1977 and Star Wars.
8: Um, it, it's really tough between, um, Lockie and Dr. Kit, but, uh, both of them have really good arguments, but it's going to have to be Lockie because you can't, you've got to have bacon within sliced bread and bacon sandwiches are the, possibly the third best thing in the world after history and Star Wars.
3: This is a good point. Heather, who
0: would you go for? If well, you I, I really love the Disney references, Charlie, but it's it's got to be between between Lockie and Dr. Kitt. But I think I would have to go with Lockie because penicillin, man, penicillin.
3: Speak for yourself. I can't have
2: it. <laughs> I think the illusion trying to tell you something, mate.
3: <laughs> Charlie.
6: Oh, do you know what? It's, this has been really, really tricky. Um Yeah, If you, if you could go back in time and if you could go to any year and what's the best year ever, I always would have said 1660, but now I quite fancy going and finding COVID patient zero and holding their head underwater. Um <laughs> but for, for me, it's, it's gotta be 1977 as the best year ever because the, I love Star Wars. I'm with you on that, Chris. But the thing you didn't touch on for me is the music. And let's face it, depending on what age I was, I either would have been a punk. It was, um, the year that we had no number one when God Save the Queen by the Sex Pistols was number one the week of the Queen's 25th Jubilee. And they just didn't print a number one that week because they didn't want to offend anybody, you know, the, the, the man. Um, it's also a Bowie year. You start off with low, low, and you end up with heroes. What the
3: actual? Then if I go and be in Berlin, just whatever it is as well. First Queen song. Was it, it called Seven Something of Rye? Is that 77?
5: No, that was earlier.
3: Earlier. Are oh, you talking about Queen? Okay, but yeah, they were pretty cool as well when,
6: when Freddie Mercury was alive, obviously. Um, there's just so much in that year, so much music. It would just be, I'd just love to be there. So yeah, best and year. And John
8: Williams.
3: Oh. Seven Seas
6: of Rye was
5: 1973.
3: Was it? It's what seventy-seven. That's so. Seven. What is it? Seventy-five. Bohemian Rhapsody.
5: Uh so yeah, or so something like that. Let's have a look. Um,
3: Let's have a look at what
5: Queen's Queen saw. Queen was we
8: loved. Like... I love Seven Seas of Rye. That is yeah. fucking yeah, Bohemian great. Bohemian Rhapsody was seventy-five. So it was <laughs> still being played in
7: seventy-seven. <laughs> not, not not where I was.
6: <laughs> yeah. Nice one, Clive. No one was listening to that. Oh, so this was, so was great, that, was a, that is a good song. I like
7: that one. We were invited years ago to somebody's 40th birthday party and the theme was 1970s. So I got all punked up and it turned out the whole evening was Bloody Abba.
5: <laughs> oh, that's <be laughs> I want to
7: be around
3: in the 70s. Fat Bottom Girls is 78. I do love that. Oh,
5: We Are the Champions was 77.
3: Oh. There
5: we go. Um, Dreams by Fleawood Mac was out there. Bit of ABBA. Bit of Donna Summer, Feel, I Feel Love.
6: Best-selling single of the year was Mull of Kintyre by Wings.
8: Really? Yeah. Followed
6: by Don't Give Up On Us by David Soul. God, people are awful, aren't they? <laughs> uh,
3: right, okay, who hasn't had a go yet? Kit, if you can't have your own...
5: Um, so I, I think that the problem with, with science and, and medicine and being a science historian is as we get closer to the present, everything just gets better. There's no stopping it. It gets better exponentially. So from my perspective, I kind of assumed that anyone taking the 20th century was cheating. Um, <laughs> and so I've gone further. I, I loved Charlie's um, uh, sing-along. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Um, I thought Clive had a really well-structured argument after he got past 1960, um, particularly bringing in the Alvarez hypothesis, which I adore. But I'm going to give it to Marin, um because I think yeah, no, 1790, I think 1791, wasn't it? Um yeah, interesting, interesting year. Brilliant. Has everyone had a go?
3: Right. Um, before we do the top three, we didn't agree. We've had to compromise on the top three. But we do have some mention in dispatches as well. But before we do any of those, Chris, we love you. Thank you. <laughs> we love you so much, Chris.
4: And we your do. optimism <laughs> and your enthusiasm. And you're us. you're wonderful. Ultimately
3: don't give a shit about Star Wars. But we love you. <laughs> <laughs> we want some nice things for Chris.
8: I just thought, I'm not going to take it seriously this week. I'm just going to chat about Star Wars. Why I, the hell not? I
3: loved your passion, and I love yeah. how much, how happy doing that pitch made you. You mad, <laughs> I love you. Anyway, my mention in Dispatches is, um I'd we've been grown-ups with the top three, but Clive, you're quite the dinosaurs. I love it, man. Love it. <laughs> you're, my, you're my boy. Beth's got a mention in Dispatches as well. Oh,
4: the mention in dispatches is also the winner of absolutely one best heart this evening. Um my, so my mention in dispatches is obviously Charlie. Charlie, that was just so wonderful. And literally my heart was filled with joy. So much. <laughs> like, there was, my heart was bursting, so. I might release the video if you're
3: dancing along to the whole pitch. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I I just I loved it. I loved it. And you you're the winner of You have Won My Heart this evening.
3: I'm glad you enjoyed it. So at number three, Beth.
4: At number three. Drum roll, da, 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 da. Um at the number three we have coming in third place, we've got Lockie. Um we we these are all the three of us. Well, the three, me and Alex, um, our top three were the same in slightly different orders and we've had to be grown ups and come to sensible decisions. So someone came to a lucky really, really strong arguments, you know, with the med- medical developments and just seems like I really want to go back to 1928 and go and be a flapper. I really do. Um, and of course Steamboat Willie again, obviously you've got to get a Disney reference in there. So really, really well done for that really solid performance
3: so second uh was my first but second on the compromise is merin i i loved the way you f- not only found a year that was full of that just basically glowed with human achievement um and portent of good things for the future but it kind of summed up the whole of the enlightenment as well i thought it was really smart so that was, that's our second place which means beth
4: yeah so in in first place is dr Keith another win, another notch in the belt. Um, you, you, you just keep bringing out
3: these absolute bangers that keep winning you this thing, don't you? There's like, a that though, Kit, if you go back there, you need to smother baby Hitler, deal. you?
5: Yes. Uh, yeah, if I ever successfully time travel, I will, I will, I will sort out You're baby Hitler. Out the time I Hitler. I won't smother him, I'll look after him, I'll give him to some nice people and, and make mm-hmm. sure he's raised right. There was something I mean, came out I mean, this you week. Know, no, 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 I mean raise know left. <laughs> Raising <laughs> Hitler to the right, bad idea.
3: <laughs> Seriously, though, uh, when you do, make sure they're honest with him about his artistic ability early on. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Manage expectations.
7: Something came out this week saying that his mother was meant to be a really harsh, nasty woman, which may account for it all.
3: Uh,
4: his
7: woman... father was pretty nasty to him. Yeah, his father I know, as a well.
3: A man came up with that, Clive.
8: Hitler yeah. adored his mother. Precisely. <laughs> okay, okay, moving on from Baby Hitler.
4: <laughs> <laughs> moving on from Baby Hitler. That's, that's why Kit actually won. Like, so again, again, really, really solid, you know, all of the, the developments and again, another, another, another year that I, like with, with Merrins as well, the years I would actually want to go back and see happening in real time, stuck with seeing these, Wonderful years, like, you know, we've got the watershed moments in history, I think, and a really, really solid top three. Bravo to all of you. Well done. You're all winners in my book.
3: Yeah, it was really, like, we there were no shit ones tonight at all. Um, We didn't necessarily agree with Star Wars, but we loved the passion in which it was made. We thought they were all really good. It's hard, because usually there's some right stinkers that you can just kick to the straight away, Um, but there weren't any tonight. Uh, Well done, guys. That was brilliant. Uh, We may be back next week. Maybe we'll take a week off. We fly by the seat of our pants these days. Uh, We'll see what happens. If anyone's got any ideas for a show, let us know. Uh, That's what, that's how the last two have come about. uh, Viewer, listener, ideas. So let us know. And until then, we will see you later.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,